0: You all today. Is this working? Can you hear me? All right. Well, we're going to be looking at the book of Deuteronomy today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Deuteronomy chapter 10. This is a book that contains three long sermons by Moses uh, that were given to the Jews in the desert after they escaped from Egypt. And as you probably know, um, God's people first came to Egypt and they were just 70 of them Joseph's family that were fleeing to escape starvation, Um, and Joseph's family received help there in Egypt. They settled down and became permanent residents there in Egypt, Um, but before long, the Egyptians enslaved them, Um, and so God's people fled persecution and became refugees again, wandering in the deserts of Sinai, and it's there that God tells his people, I'm taking you to a better home. I'm taking you to um, a home where your residency will yet again be conditional um, because you can only stay in the land that I'm going to give you if you obey all of my commands. And so, Deuteronomy is a covenant document that lays out what God will do for his people and what God expects of his people. And so, let's look at God's word together in Deuteronomy um, chapter 10, beginning in verse 11. AND THE LORD SAID TO MOSES, ARISE, GO ON YOUR JOURNEY AT THE HEAD OF THE PEOPLE, SO THAT THEY MAY GO IN AND POSSESS THE LAND, WHICH I SWORE TO THEIR FOREFATHERS TO GIVE THEM. AND NOW, ISRAEL, WHAT DOES THE LORD YOUR GOD REQUIRE OF YOU, BUT TO FEAR THE LORD YOUR GOD, TO WALK IN ALL HIS WAYS, TO LOVE HIM, TO SERVE THE LORD YOUR GOD WITH ALL YOUR HEART AND ALL YOUR SOUL, AND TO KEEP THE COMMANDMENTS AND STATUTES OF THE LORD, which I am commanding you today for your good. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. Yet the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them, you above all peoples, as you are on this day. Circumcise therefore, the foreskin of your heart And Be no longer stubborn, for the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow, and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt." Would you pray with me? Father, uh, your word is alive and it is powerful, and we are alive spiritually only because the word came and took up residency in our whole hearts. The living word brought us to life. And so, Father, would you please send the spirit into our hearts that you might do in us the work that you want to do, uh, that you might be glorified in us and through us Um, Lord help me to stay out of the way of your word um, that you might communicate to the hearts of your people and we ask it in the name of Jesus amen so four points uh, that I'd like to run through God loves strangers but strangers are strange Um, you were a stranger and so love as you have been loved and so God loves strangers Verse 18 of our text says, He, God, sorry, I think I just jumped ahead. Sorry. Verse 18 says, God executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. And so God says over and over in his word that he pays special attention to three categories of people. He cares about the fatherless, the widow, and the sojourner. And the reason he distinguishes these people is because when God's people go into the land, these are three categories of people that will not own land. So they will not have direct access to the resources and assets. God cares about these vulnerable people. And he gives his people this land flowing with milk and honey because he expects them to share the abundance with those in need including the sojourner. Sojourner is a word that can also be translated in our Bible sometimes foreigner, or alien, or stranger. A sojourner does not refer to a tourist, someone who is just visiting like I'm visiting here for 24 hours. Um, a sojourner is someone who comes and settles down and puts down roots. Abraham was this kind of sojourner in Hebron. Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham. Moses was a sojourner in Midian for 40 years. And as we saw in verse 19, the Israelites were sojourners in the land of Egypt for 400 years. And the Bible is full of examples of people forcibly displaced. And let me get to, okay. People who are displaced as a result of their own choices and actions. So Adam and Eve would be an example. Cain was exiled. Israel, when they were exiled to Babylon. Um, We see people in Scripture who are displaced by natural disaster. Noah was displaced because of the flood. Abraham and Sarah um, because of famine. Um, Naomi, because of famine, was displaced. We see in God's word people displaced by conflict or human trafficking. Hagar and her son Ishmael, because of conflict within a family. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. Human trafficking. We see people displaced by war. Israel was displaced to Assyria. Judah was displaced to Babylon, including Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. We also see in Scripture people displaced by religious and political and ethnic persecution. Jesus himself fled a murderous tyrant to Egypt. Um, The early church was persecuted in Jerusalem and scattered throughout the region. Um, We have Achilla and Priscilla, leaders in the church, who had fled persecution um, in Italy and had come to Jerusalem. Here's the thing. Refugees today are fleeing their home countries for all these same reasons that we just saw in God's word. All these same things are still happening today, not much has changed. Um, I'm glad that my friend Matt Sorens is here this weekend um, from World Relief to help us understand a little bit about, um, you know, these are Afghan girls um, who have fled and the Afghan refugees are very much in the news right now, but that is one small category of the many refugees in the world. and There is a table out here that World Relief has, and I hope you'll stop by and learn how you can get involved with World Relief. I'm so glad of all the refugee resettlement agencies, I think World Relief does the best job, to be honest, and you have one of their offices here, which is a blessing. Um, So Matt has been here to talk about what the body of Christ can do to help refugees. My task is to Open up God's Word to talk about why we should care about the sojourner and the stranger. And so we see God's heart in Deuteronomy 10, which we've read. We see it in the ministry of Jesus. Jesus came as a Jew to the Jews, but throughout his ministry, we see him spending time with Samaritans, hanging out with Gentiles. He exercises a demon from a Gentile girl. When he feeds the 4,000, it is in a Gentile region called the Decapolis. Later in Acts, the church fulfills Jesus' command to carry his gospel beyond Jerusalem, beyond Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But for the gospel to spread like that, people like Peter had to be shaken out of their cultural comfort zone. God had to tell Peter three times, Yes, I really mean it. I really want you to go to Cornelius' house, even though as a Jew you're not even supposed to go into a Gentile's house, and I actually want you to go and eat his food and spend time with him. Once Peter got the idea and Gentiles started becoming believers, very quickly Gentile Christians outnumbered the Jewish believers who had first heard the gospel. And that was Jesus' vision. Jesus' vision, which was seen in his final command to the apostles in Matthew 28, make disciples of all ethne, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. These are some of the children at our church at One Voice Fellowship. Children from West Africa and Pakistan and El Salvador, who are like best friends, and it's beautiful to see. Um, Ethne, this word in Matthew 28, 19, means a body of persons united by kinship, culture, and common traditions. And so Jesus' command to make disciples of all ethne means I want you to share the gospel with anyone and everyone. And some of you will be called to go overseas to do that. And some of you will be called to stay right here and make disciples of all the different people you encounter. But it's to be a proactive welcome, not a passive welcome. Because Jesus loved strangers like us. Jesus had this mission, this vision of a church where we will gather in heaven one day. This is our praise team at One Voice Fellowship. In this picture we have band members from Ethiopia and Puerto Rico and Pakistan and China and Korea and Togo and Congo. And when they sing it feels like heaven. It feels like a foretaste of Revelation 7:9. A great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and the lamb crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne. That's where we're headed. That's how we will worship for thousands and thousands of years. That's who you're going to spend eternity with. People of every tongue, tribe, people, and language. But here on earth, culture and language tend to divide us. It tends to separate us because we're all naturally drawn to people more like us because it feels comfortable. And I value my comfort very highly. We value our safety very highly. So that's point two um, strangers are strange. We, we gravitate to our comfort zones. Peter gravitated back to his comfort zone. Um, even after he went to Cornelius' house in Acts 11, and he learned that Gentiles can be believers too. But in Galatians 2, we read that Paul confronted Peter to his face. Because although Peter had begun hanging out with his Gentile brothers and sisters, when some guys from Jerusalem showed up who were not on board with the whole Gentile Christian thing, Peter was concerned about what people might think of him. Peter was concerned about his reputation, and so he stopped hanging out with these Gentile Christians. He shunned his brothers and sisters in Christ because he wanted to protect his image. And Paul says in Galatians 2:14 that Peter's conduct yeah. Peter's conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. See, Peter was struggling to understand what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, that although each person that God chooses to save is different, it is God who arranges the parts in the body, each one of them as he chooses. Peter un- struggled to understand that God was going to grow his church primarily through strangers, primarily through people who did not share Peter's language and culture. And many of us are worried about our culture's shift away from Christian values and a belief in God. But the church is actually growing if you look at it globally. In 1910, 82% of all Christians in the world lived in Europe, North America, or Australia. But 100 years later, in 2010, only 39% of Christians live in those majority Caucasian parts of the world. Today, 61% of Christians, and this data is 11 years old, so probably more than 61% of Christians live in Africa, South America, Asia, and the Middle East. This is what God is doing in the church globally, but this same demographic shift is taking place here in the U.S. Um, Dr. Timothy Tennant, who is a missiologist at Asbury Seminary, says, 86% of immigrants in North America are likely to be Christians or become Christians. The immigrant population actually presents the greatest hope for Christian renewal In North America. And so we shouldn't see this or them as something that threatens us, but we should see it as a wonderful opportunity. People who work with unreached people groups say that someone from Japan or Saudi Arabia or Pakistan or a country like that with very small Christian populations, that they are 20 times more likely to believe in Jesus if they hear the gospel here in our country rather than in their home country. But many of them will not hear the gospel in their home country, and God in his providence brings them here, like this brother, um, who was a persecuted man in his home country, a Muslim, and a refugee, who was the first adult convert that we baptized at One Voice Fellowship. He never heard anything true about Jesus in his home country. But after nine months of being loved by God's people and hearing the gospel, God brought him to faith. And I believe that one of the reasons God is bringing some refugees to the country is because he wants them to hear Jesus and come to faith. Or many of them already are believers and we need to be enriched by their faith. But, this is really important to note, even if our new Afghan neighbors or other refugees never trust in Christ. That is not the motivation for which we help them. They are made in the image of God, and they are deserving of dignity, respect, love, and help. Did you notice in Deuteronomy it did not say, if the sojourner who lives among you converts to Judaism, then you shall love him as yourself. It's not what it says. It says, love the sojourner among you, for you were sojourners in Egypt. Our new neighbors are an opportunity for us to practice welcoming others as Christ has welcomed us. And we benefit. We have so much to learn from our new neighbors, like my brother Didier in the red and his wife Sifa. Um, D.D.A. is a deacon at Alexandria Presbyterian, our sending church. Um, When they were new in the United States and uh, were moving into their uh, more permanent home from an apartment, D.D.A. called me and said, Pastor Chris, um, before we sleep at our new home, would you come and pray a blessing over the home? And I said, well, I can come on Friday. And he said, we'll stay with friends until you come and pray. And I remember thinking, After I do this, I'm gonna have to talk to DDA about his superstitions. But before I ever talked to him about his superstitions, I realized that night that I didn't let my children eat dinner until we prayed a blessing over the meal. And I began thinking about DDA and where he had come from. I began remembering his story that DDA was at home in the Congo. When a death squad sent by the government, which didn't like some of the things he was saying about the government, came and dragged him out of his home and dragged him into a field and put him on his knees with a gun behind his head, ready to assassinate him. And While this is happening, his wife Sifa and the rest of the family fled through the jungle. Sifa, carrying their four-month-old son, who died in the jungle on the way to Uganda, where she was in a refugee camp for three years. DDA was saved when a group of rebels happened down the road and saw government soldiers and started attacking the soldiers that were about to kill DDA. And then in the firefight, DDA crawled away in the grass, and his pastor helped him get on a plane to the U.S. And as I thought about that, I realized. Is D.D.A. superstitious because he wants me to pray a blessing for God's protection over his home? Or is D.D.A. wise in ways that maybe I need to learn? Maybe we have become comfortable and complacent in our homes and our fences and our suburban communities and we forget that we need God's protection and blessing for evil is real. Danger is real. Think about all that can happen, should happen, or might happen in our homes, friends. I learned from my brother D.D.A. My eyes of faith were expanded when I saw it through his lenses. So that when a Pakistani brother in our church came to me not long ago and said, Pastor, I just got my first car. Would you pray a blessing over my car? And I said, Yes! I said, before you get on the beltway in Washington, D.C., I am going to pray a blessing over that car, which I wouldn't have done before. But I grew. I learned from my brothers and sisters. We can learn from those who have faced hardship and persecution and danger, who have learned that they need God's protecting hand over them every day, just as much as we do. This this is part of the benefit of experiencing life with brothers and sisters who have a different background than you do. Um, Professor Andrew Walls says this about the metaphor of the body that we read in Ephesians. He says, The Ephesian metaphors of the temple and the body show each culture as necessary to the body, but each one is incomplete in itself. Only in Christ Does completion and fullness dwell? Only together are we complete in Christ. My sisters from El Salvador and Togo and Pakistan and their friendship encourages my heart because I see a more full and complete picture of what Christ's body is. Christ's body is already composed of people of every tribe, tongue, and language globally. We're just often missing out on the fullness of what it is. Do you ever wonder why we have four different Gospels in our Bible? Wouldn't Matthew be sufficient? It's pretty long. But we read about the death resurrection of Jesus and we see it through the different lens of each of the authors, and we get a slightly different take. And that's one of the benefits of being in life with people who have a different perspective, like my brother Didier. But we tend to avoid strangers. Anyone who is different seems threatening because my desire for safety and comfort is so strong. But when we realize that we have been made citizens of God's kingdom by grace alone and we begin to understand that my identity and my security comes from God and not who I spend time with, we begin to draw different circles. We begin to realize that we shouldn't wall ourselves off from the difficult neighbor or coworker or that troublesome kid at school Um, but we see that because we were strangers we have a calling from God to love strangers so first you were a stranger these are pictures of me Um, uh, in our teenage years we're all trying to figure out what tribe we belong to right some of you are in that stage right now I'm looking at a whole group right here Um, You're trying to figure out, like, am I a jock? Am I the straight-A student? Am I a student government kid? Am I a band kid? Am I one of the popular ones? Or do I sit in the back of the room and whisper smart-aleck comments about the teacher? Which tribe do I belong to? My family moved from Chicago to Buffalo in the middle of eighth grade, which is a terrible time to move. Because I wasn't sure where I fit in in Chicago, and I sure didn't know where I fit in in Buffalo. Um, I didn't like who I was, and so I was pretty sure no one would like me. I don't know if you can see in that um, picture of me in the tuxedo, but I got a perm. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to change myself somehow, and men don't have as many options as women to change our appearance and, so, oh, I'll get a perm and maybe then I'll be attractive. Maybe then people will like me. Um, I was desperate to be welcomed by a tribe. I'm gonna ask you, just think for a minute. Do you remember a time that you were the outsider? When you felt nervous? When you felt unwanted or scared? Adults, can you tap into that middle school angst? for a minute. You know that feeling? I felt that way all the way through middle school and high school. In college, I found my tribe in a fraternity, um, and I abandoned the Catholic faith of my childhood. I decided I was an atheist, and I tried to comfort my lonely soul with alcohol and women and pornography, and it doesn't work. So, how about you? Where does your heart run when you're feeling that emptiness, that loneliness, that, that yearning for a welcome? Where does your heart go? As they all go somewhere, Augustine said, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. And Jesus said, Come to me. LEAVE BEHIND ALL THOSE OTHER THINGS THAT PROMISE YOU REST, THAT WRITE CHECKS YOU CAN'T CASH. THEY MAKE PROMISES THEY CAN'T KEEP. AND COME TO ME FOR THE REST. HIS WELCOME IS FREELY OFFERED, AND IT IS FULL OF GRACE. WE SEE IT IN DEUTERONOMY VERSES 14 AND 15. TO THE LORD YOUR GOD BELONG THE HEAVENS, EVEN THE HIGHEST HEAVENS, THE EARTH AND EVERYTHING IN IT. AND YET, Right? He owns everything, and yet the Lord set his affection on your forefathers and loved them. and He chose you, their descendants, above all the nations. If you are a child of God, it is not because of anything you did. Nothing. We are chosen and saved by grace alone. I was an atheist for ten years. Before Jesus came and rescued this lost sheep, and he threw me over his shoulders, and he brought me home. I was a stranger because I wanted to be. And he proactively sought me out. It was a proactive welcome. And then when Jesus brings us home, he brings us into a new community, but it's a community of redeemed riffraff, as John Perkins likes to say. Um, To Jesus, it doesn't matter if you're a hard-partying fraternity guy like I was, if you're a Samaritan, if you're a tax collector, if you're a Roman soldier, or if you're a hard-headed hypocrite like Peter. Jesus says to all of us, if you will abandon your idols, if you will walk away from whatever your heart is seeking to find its comfort and peace and escape, And if you will believe that by my death and my resurrection, I can give you a new heart, a heart of flesh in place of that heart of stone, because I will remove your sin and absorb it into my veins. And I will give you a grace transfusion, and my righteousness will become yours, because your sin and shame are removed. And when that happens to each one of us, we become one more stone in the household of faith that he is building one household of many different kinds of stones in Ephesians 2:12 we have this reminder this is the reminder to us of where we were he says Paul says to the Gentiles in Ephesus, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise. You had no hope. You were without God in the world. But but Christ Jesus came and preached peace to you. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. You are fellow citizens, with the saints. You are members of the household of God. Jesus sought you when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. He, to rescue you from danger, interposed his precious blood. The more we believe that, the more we understand and remember that the gospel brought us from being strangers into God's household, the more it will change the lens through which we view other strangers. So that's point four. Love others as you have been loved. Philozenia is currently my favorite word. Um, it's the opposite of xenophobia. Xenophobia is stranger fear. Philozenia is love of strangers. It's something that we see in Hebrews. 13:2 we also see it in Romans 12:13 contribute to the needs of the strangers or contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality the word is philozenia but when we think of hospitality we tend to think of hey let's have the smiths and the jacksons over i haven't seen them in a while that's what we think of as hospitality but that's not stranger love that's who do I feel comfortable with? Who do I want to hang out with? But the word says, "Show love to strangers." Um, some years back, on the Sunday before Thanksgiving, I was having a chat um, with people after the service and started talking to Bill, and I asked that Sunday before Thanksgiving, small group small talk question. You know, Bill, what are you going to do for Thanksgiving? now bill Bill is an awkward fellow. Um, he, he, he doesn't have great mannerisms or conversational skills. his His hygiene is poor. Um, he, he's, he's just difficult. He, he's not the person you immediately go to in the fellowship hall because you're like, "That's who I want to talk to." Bill's, Bill's just difficult. So I said, "Bill, what are you doing for Thanksgiving?" And he said. You know, I'm gonna get some carry out and I'll watch a movie. And I said, No, no, you won't. You'll be at our house. Now, Bill's not my first choice for Thanksgiving. He's not my 40th choice to have for Thanksgiving dinner, but am I gonna let my brother in Christ be alone on Thanksgiving? No, I'm not. Because I've been Bill. I felt that same way have you do you remember that feeling don't forget it don't forget it to practice philozenia as the body of christ we have to see ourselves as strangers who have been brought in it's position before practice the good news of the gospel comes to us only through the proactive sacrificial love of Jesus. He left the comfort and security of his father's side and he came with his eyes wide open into a world that persecuted and crucified him. And he was drawn magnetically by your need. He sought you when a stranger. And so we who were once far off have been brought near. And at the heart of the gospel, we find an outward looking, stranger seeking kind of love. And the gospel in us should motivate an outward looking, stranger seeking kind of love because that's how we were loved. So, some of you may be called to help refugees. Some of you are going to get involved with world relief and help some of the refugees in your community, and I hope you do. And some of you may not be called to that, but Jesus isn't going to let you off the hook with this. Who's the stranger around you? Are you ever to your kids' um, soccer or baseball practice? Do you look around for the mom who always stands by herself and doesn't seem to know or connect with anybody? Do you have an awkward coworker at difficult who kind of isolates himself from everybody else, maybe because of his own um, mannerisms or his own issues? Kids at school. Who is that one kid that you don't really want to be around and who seems to be alone most of the time? How do you think Jesus would respond to that kid at school? Could you be the one who pursues the stranger, who says, you're the one who is isolated and distant, and therefore you're the one that Jesus is calling me to, because he came to you. God's word to us today, friends, is love the sojourner, for you were sojourners. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for your proactive, sacrificial love. We would not know grace. We would not have the ability to approach the throne of grace and pray to our Father if it were not in the name of Jesus, if we had not been saved and washed by the blood of Jesus. And we did not come to you. We were trying to get as far from God as we could. But you sought us out you brought us in, would you stir in us this same kind of stranger-seeking, sacrificial, proactive love that people might taste and see that you are good? That our new neighbors might know something about the love of the gospel as it's displayed in and through us? Would you do this um, for our good, for the good of our neighbors, and for your glory?